0: Welcome back to the Anna podcast and a fresh feature for the month of November. We are talking about gratitude this month, friends, and the mission and the messages from each grateful guest is sure to inspire you. Today's guest brings such warmth and joy to my spirit, and I am so grateful that she agreed to come on the podcast so you could all meet her today. Lisa Gady is a mother of a 20-year-old son. She's been married for nine years, and she has 2 stepsons who share her house and time on the weekends. Lisa just started her 29th year as an elementary speech-language pathologist. She commutes an hour each way to work because she loves her job and the people she works with, and when she is not commuting or working, Lisa enjoys exercising, reading, knitting, crocheting, taking part in Twitter chats, listening to podcasts, spending time with family and friends, and loving up on her three dogs. In this episode, Lisa shares how her dad's failing health shifted her heart to see the beauty in the world while she served him lovingly and with gratitude. Her inspirational message of focusing intentionally on gratitude, as well as her joyous spirit reminds us all that we too can ensure that nothing in our life is wasted. My heart is filled with immense joy to bring to you Lisa Gady's gratitude story. Welcome Lisa Gady, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so thrilled to have you on this show and specifically on this series, and I cannot wait for the community to hear your awesome story today. I'm excited to be here. Well, Lisa, would you just do the uh, listeners a favor and share a little bit about your current context, where you are in the world, and what you're up to?
1: I will. I'm, uh, I currently live in Black River Falls, Wisconsin. Um, I do commute an hour each way to work every day. I work in Holman, Wisconsin, and I'll be starting my 29th year there as an elementary speech language pathologist. So I work with kids kindergarten to fifth grade. Um, I'm remarried. And I have a son and I have several stepchildren, stepsons as well. So my house is filled with much more testosterone than I like on most days, but they're delightful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So you said you travel an hour? Each way. Yes. Wow. That's intense. It is. How in the world did those circumstances come about?
1: Well, um in 2009 I got separated divorced and then through match.com met my current husband who lived in Black River Falls and was in the process of buying a house so my son and I moved this direction to uh, start a life with him.
0: That is insane. I feel like we could pull that story apart just a little more, but maybe not for this episode. That'll be <laughs> yeah. a side
1: cover. It was definitely Uh, roller coaster butt. Yep. So we're settled out in the middle of kind of nowhere. uh, But it allows me some great time every day to listen to books on tape and listen to podcasts. So it kind of fills my soul on the way there and the way home. I don't mind it so much.
0: And see, that's a great entry point to talk about why you would be featured on this incredible series of gratitude, because I just heard you reframe a situation that would be challenging for most of us to add an extra hour one way. (laughs) So that's two extra hours each day. But where you say you can fill it with with other things. So that's just kind of um, what I've known about you. I think we engaged with one another for the first time a year ago. Do you want to share a little bit with the listeners about how we got connected?
1: Yes, almost exactly a year ago, and thank goodness for Twitter. Um, I had just been new to Twitter and learned about um, you and the other ladies who've done the uh, the book Balance Like a Pirate, and you were having a book signing, I think one of your first ones, that was being held in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and a friend and I decided to go, and I feel like I've known you for a lifetime.
0: <laughs> yeah, we knew this. I, I knew like once we just started talking that you were a soul sister. Yep. Uh, And I loved it because you were heading on your way to see some girlfriends, too. And you prioritized coming to party with us at
1: Barnes & Noble. (laughs) I can get to it all, like you say, balance, balance.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, and then we've interacted over the year, and I reached out to Lisa because there's just something pretty special about your heart and um, your kind of joy that I see in what you're interacting with on social media. And then anytime we've really engaged in a back and forth, I've just noticed that you have a really kind of beautiful view of the world. So, do you want to share a little bit about? kind of the way that your your lens for having a grateful disposition started?
1: Every day we are faced with situations and we have a choice to either say, I'm going to let the situation take me over and I'm going to let it negatively impact my life. Or we have the choice to say, what can I get out of this? And what can I still be grateful for? Even in the midst of trying circumstances, when I look back, I think I've always been one of those, the cup is half full kind of people. And I've always kind of embraced that, but not to the degree I do now. When um, it really all started for me in 2014, um, in May of 2014, my dad, who was 69 at the time, needed to go in to have a hip replacement surgery. And he was in the hospital for about two and a half months. Um, And during that time, you know, he had complications upon complications. And so I would go spend time, take sick days from work that I was lucky to have and to be able to use. He was still in the hospital, uh, of course, in June. And on Father's Day, which just also happened to be my son's golden birthday, the doctor met with us and told us that they had recently found some cancer that my dad had. So we got that diagnosis on Father's Day. And that was kind of the start of a whole people for us because they transferred him to Mayo Clinic where doctors met with my parents to share what they believed was his um, what outcome of his cancer would be and told them that he would have a year to live. They estimated Um, the next day when he met with myself and my sister, those doctors shared with us that it was six months. So that changed drastically in just a day from the time they told us on the 15th he actually lived only 24 days so that was a really hard time for us and yeah, you can tell that from my reaction right now but um all of a sudden in that situation i had the choice to feel like a victim feel upset feel angry and i'm sure at times that i did but i also just had to really Pray more than I've ever prayed in life. Um, God was probably at some point saying, you again, woman, because um, I just prayed and prayed and prayed. Um, but I also just had to rely on my faith and realize that I'm no longer in control of things that I, you know, I'm used to being in control of so much, and I have no control here. So I have to just trust in God and in God's plan and that it will be there will be a great reason for why it's happening. I don't know what it is and it hurts like heck, but you just let go of things. And um, for me, I had to let go of my responsibilities here at my house. My, uh, my husband kind of took over here and I just did whatever I could do to help my dad at that point. Um, spent a lot of time with him, stayed overnight with him in the hospital, just held him, scratched his back and got anything for him he needed. Um, and I look back at that time and my heart got so full of peace. Because of the gratitude I had that one, I'm able to have this situation where I can spend this time with him, even though I know I'm going to lose him, because a lot of people just do not get that. And I also was very, very grateful that I could embrace that situation and learn a bit about myself and learn that I can be grateful and give to someone without needing anything back from them. Um, So for me, it helped me. I had such peace and I still have such peace when we talk about it and as I'm talking about it now, I just get this warmth, this peacefulness of you have no control and sometimes you just have to trust and have faith and lead with gratitude and it will change something that's horrific into something beautiful,
0: (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense and I thank you so much for sharing this story uh, because it is so hard to imagine ourselves in that spot where you know a diagnosis can happen a, a tragedy a st- any any storm that it can just throw us off you know on this path especially like you stated being that person who's just kind of used to being in control right and i just think it's such a beautiful unpacking of your story to hear how you grew through that and thank you for sharing it
1: i also feel like another blessing that came out of that was that I really got to find a piece about myself over the years. I have been criticized for kind of going to the beat of my own drum and not doing what other people do. And also been told I'm just way too sensitive. And I'm sure that if you uh, take the Myers-Briggs and you look for a poster child for an INFJ, my picture up, <laughs> spot on. Um, but, and so I always saw that as a character flaw of mine. And I was, always trying to change it and trying to be what people wanted me to be Mm -hmm. and during that time I realized that my sensitive heart allowed me to feel the gratefulness and allowed me to do for my dad the things I could do and to embrace that situation and without that sensitivity I don't feel like I would have gotten from that situation what I did and I wouldn't have grown like I have so it's allowed me to I think be a more compassionate person and I will never, ever again look at it as a character flaw. In fact, I'm kind of a little bit um, on the side of if you find it my character flaw, then my energy isn't probably going to be put to you <laughs> because um, that's such an important part. Um, and I feel like it's a gift God gave me and it's so important that we embrace those. And so it's it's neat that I could change that feeling about myself.
0: When do you think that um, evolved for you? Because that's a pretty self-aware and self-reclaiming change and a pivot that is critical. And I love that you stated it here on the podcast, because that is no small thing. And it sounds like a major gift of the trial um, that you were given of of your dad passing, but using it already. So did, did it happen in the moment or did it just kind of come out of the experience of that grief? Or what? Do you, where do you think that occurred for you?
1: I think that I got just this unbelievable sense of peace and I was able to kind of, while this was all happening with my father and so while I was writing, I like my eulogy for him and I decided that I life's so short and I love my dad so much, I'm like, I need to take the time to do that for him and I'm not a person that enjoys speaking in front of people and talking um, in large groups of people. But it pushed me, even then, that peace to push myself to be outside of my box. But I think... As I keep reflecting, I'm constantly reflecting on that time with him. It still will come up to me today, and I will think about that time and try to learn something from it. So I think it's constantly within those five years now since it's been since he passed. um, It continually is on my mind, Um, and not as a, what was me, but as a, God, do you remember when this happened, and I felt like this, and gosh, I've changed since then, and just feeling how I can impact other people with it too.
0: That's incredible. And what a gift. Uh, You know, nothing is wasted. And through our life trials, I just, um, I think that that pruning, that pruning of our lives can create room for such growth. And it sounds to me like that's happened for you. And what a beautiful message uh, to carry on the legacy, you know, of your father. It's just so beautiful. Thank you. Hey, I also love that you said you're a poster child for an INFJ because I am for an ENFJ. <laughs> so, <laughs> no wonder we recognize one another's souls. <laughs> love it.
1: That was such an eye opener for me. I love little, uh, tests like that. Um, and when I started to read it again, this was kind of in the time when I was getting criticism. And again, being that INFJ, I take criticism so hurtfully. I take it, um, you know, I take it so strongly. I'm so moved by it that I want to do my best. And when I get it, I just want to go, Oh, what am I doing wrong? But as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, does this ever explain so much that I didn't know about myself? Um, and maybe it comes with age. You know, as as I'm getting older, I've all of a sudden got less energy for things that aren't bringing me growth and beauty and joy that maybe I can embrace it a little bit more. Because as I age, maybe some things aren't as important to me anymore, like the input and the criticisms of others. Before they would define me, they would uh, caused me a lot of trepidation. And now it's just like, hmm, well, (laughs) I'm leading the way I feel I need to. And that's all I can do is do my best. And in trying to do that, I've got to be okay with me.
0: I love it. What a beautiful life message. And um, I love that you're unpacking this idea of the self-awareness. And I'm a huge fan of uh, this concept of knowing yourself. I have very vulnerably done the same work that you've done. And I'm uh, publishing another book, Lead with Faith. And in that, I talk about uh, what you're talking about right now is that idea that we're free to be ourselves, like our true selves. But we can't be that until we know that and understand that and embrace that. Absolutely.
1: one I'm so forgetting that I'm just learning you're doing another book that's that's wonderful but I think that's also it's so funny to me and I've made this comment a few times I have family and friends in my life that I've known a very very long time well of course since I've been born most of them some of them Um, and yet I can meet you one time for about 20 minutes and our hearts and minds align so quickly. And I said, I've made this comment out loud to my husband that every time I get feedback or have an interaction with you, Sarah, I feel such a embracing in my heart because it's like she gets me. How does she meet me for the short period of time? And she gets me. So I'm putting out. Um, I think it's what people choose to perceive in what you put out as well. You could perceive what I was putting out and people who can't perceive what you're putting out. Um, can't ever get to that spot of enjoying who you are and embracing who you are. Um, so God bless your heart. Cause you have been, um, I'd say also in this last year, having known you and been able, being able to communicate with you and just the feedback you give me helps me to be a better me. And it's remarkable to me that I'm in this place. Um, so some of that is due to you.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just beaming because, um, yeah, it's I think we're put in one another's lives when we're supposed to, because had it been the year prior, I don't know that my life focus would have been um, able to to do that for you. And you impact me as well. It's just a really beautiful flow of that energy and you know, when I think about this idea of listeners, you know, hearing the INFJ and ENFJ, and we talk about Myers-Briggs um, in the work world, in yeah. Education or whatever. I think we gloss over those results quickly because it's just the next box that we check. I don't know if you right. found that maybe, you know, in your youth. And, and I know you mentioned age kind of being that. And, I, and of course, developmentally, we know that we work to self-actualization and, and all of that the older we get. But I just think there's something really powerful in this idea of spending time exploring who you actually are, mm-hmm. you know. I agree. Yeah, we just don't do it enough. And I wish I had done it sooner. You you know, I know I took the Myers-Briggs. I feel like I probably took it in college.
1: Couldn't tell you at all what the results were. Um, And now I've actually printed out my results. And periodically I'll go back and look at it and think, you know, where are some areas that I could do a little better? And what are some things that... I can just grasp onto and and move with.
0: Yes, I love it. And you know, the other um, assessment that I really love is the Enneagram. So we're going to off off our chat here. We're going to talk about that one <laughs> because I think that's another one that helps to again just embrace the where we're at at our healthiest and also where we may be at our unhealthy points and how can we pivot when we need to. And right. uh, I just I really love this idea and where this conversation has started because then I also think too. One of the themes that you've talked about is, you know, receiving criticism or even our, maybe it's our perceived criticism because we're not embraced in the way that we want to be embraced for the gifts that we have. And- right. I don't know if you've experienced this, Lisa, but I know worked and lived in in an environment where um, the focus is a deficit model. And so we're not focusing on our strengths and therefore all that we can bring to the table is diminished. And if we're constantly working to grow, that's great. So important. But also if we're not embracing and um, kind of elevating what we do really well, we can create a really icky imposter inside of our heart and our soul that kind of toxifies ourselves and those around us. So I don't know if that's kind of what you've experienced when you talk about that.
1: I have, and I I really have a passion for, I wish and my hope is that negativity is so contagious and it really draws, it's so easy to be sucked into it. And I just really hope we can turn that tide and let people see that positivity and gratefulness just breeds more compassion and kindness and joy. And let's spend our energy there. Why would we not want to wake up in the morning and go, I am so grateful for these things and who can I impact today? And just be pushed by those nudges. So often we get those nudges to say something nice to someone or do something for somebody else. And we think, oh, but I have to get here. I'm really busy. I'm really trying to lead myself with. I may be in the, you know, walking through the library at school and I get a nudge to go check on this person because I think, oh, she's not looking happy today. I hope everything's okay. Oh, but I got to go get this kid. And then I think, no, you got a minute turn around, go back. You know, we need to have that person to person compassion and kindness and ability to build that to
0: help make connections with people. I love that you left there because I was going to ask you a little bit about that. And so I want to dive in a little further to some of this practicality. But before we do that, I know one of the people that you and I share is Brené Brown. And oh. one of my favorite uh, quotes from her is that she says, I'll never talk about gratitude and joy separately for this reason. In 12 years, I've never interviewed a single person who would describe their lives as joyful, who would describe themselves as joyous, who is not actively practicing gratitude. And I know that you and I share this belief that it's beyond an attitude of gratitude. It's like you just said, it's wonderful to think the thoughts, but how are you deploying it out into the world? So do you want to share with the listeners just a little bit about the things that you do that may just kind of come naturally, but also those that you intentionally do that we could learn from?
1: For me, it's kind of getting in touch with that spiritual side. So whether it's starting with a devotional in the morning or something that gets me, I actually have a book that is um, like a morning acts of kindness, of gratitude. And it starts with a little story, but then at the bottom says to you, today, try to do this and such. And it just, again, that mindfulness piece of going, I have to set my mind up because then I'll be more likely to not only say the things that I'm grateful for, but to act the gratefulness that i'm feeling um and i think it also helps to just think as you approach people be smiling be greeting be taking the time to be present with people when they're with you um it's so easy with all of the time constraints we have doing things to just stay in your little shell or to um not be present, not be, I just to say superficial, but take the time to get deep. Take the time to just, I just find that if you just can think, oh, I can compliment this person or um, just say something that I know will make them smile. And golly gee, if you can laugh and laugh and laugh throughout your day, I don't know how you can have a bad day. (laughs) Find some reason to laugh. Um, Mine's often inappropriate, However, I it every single day, <laughs> and anybody who knows me that's listening will be like, "Yes, yes, it is." But I really, there is so much joy in every day, and it's just finding it. And it's, and I think for that gratefulness piece, it's you, I do a lot of thinking. I bet you my thought, my head has thirty thousand grateful thoughts a day, but how many do I actually say out loud? Just getting more mindful of saying those things, making your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions. Um, So it's real simple things. I don't do anything probably other people aren't doing. It's trying to get that consistency of just helping it be contagious.
0: Oh, I love that the consistency and helping it become contagious. I I know that it's something that, I, that I've come to new in this last year of reading more deeply and thinking because like you said, you just get busy in the day and you may think, oh, I got to remember to do that, but you get thrown off. And so I love how you talk about kind of setting your mind in the morning so that the things you're thinking, in other words, you're speaking. Um, because I think we assume that other people are doing it, but I also know in the last year, since I've been kind of sharing this Balance message and really promoting this idea of deploying gratitude—that we're not intentional about it—and therefore a lot of it falls to the wayside. But the you know the recommendation is actually (laughs) putting it on your calendar. It's just like anything to have a system for something means that it will get done.
1: And that's um, you know on on Twitter I also find there are several people doing some real nice movements out there with um, whether it's one drop of kindness or a gratitude challenge and different things. So people are starting to try to take it there, which I love to see. And I hope more people embrace it. And because it's really not time consuming. That's the other thing that always kind of flabbergasts me when I, when I hear negative people and I, these people that, and I think, how
0: can you spend your energy there? It takes like no time at all to think a positive thought and say it out loud. Yeah, I can really appreciate because every example you've given is authentic. So I think the criticism, I've just learned this in the last, uh, Several months is, I saw something about toxic positivity, and so I've read, I've looked into that and researched it. And now I understand it a little bit better, but initially I. Really uh, jerked back on that because I thought, how in the world can positivity be toxic? And so, when I looked at it, it's when we use trite statements or diatribes. You know, if somebody really is in a tragedy and we say, um, you know, some type of a blanket statement, that mm. can be toxic uh, because it's just really not acknowledging the pain in the space. But it sounds to me like you know you're saying no. It's the authentic moment and it's the connections that that really matter. So I know that uh, there's a criticism out there for blanket statements. But in the same breath, um, you know, in our lives, we can be authentic.
1: Absolutely. And again, it's on those nudges. I think so often you don't even realize you're getting a nudge and whether it's a God pushed nudge or a just nudge, just to go. Oh, yeah, And I, I, I was with a friend last week and I kept thinking in my head, I love she got a new hairdo. And I kept thinking I love her hairdo. Gosh, I love her hairdo. Oh, my, that is the nicest hairdo. And not till I get home. Did I think why didn't I tell her what a nice hairdo that was so I messaged her and I said I am so sorry that I thought this like 30,000 times today however you have a really beautiful hair <laughs> hairstyle so you know
0: eat better late than never well it's such a perfect and practical example of the fact that probably when a person gets a new hairstyle they are super vulnerable and just hearing that affirmation is nice right. so it's really great I love it Lisa, I was able to just kind of uh, know a little bit more about your story with your dad and to kind of circle back there before we move on to my standard questions. I'm wondering if there's something from his life that you would like to kind of highlight to honor his memory in regard to the ways that he just did the daily acts of gratitude that may have impacted you.
1: My dad, oh, a wonderful man. He was, a, it was funny because he kind of came off as, he's like a smushy teddy bear, but he came off kind of like a grizzly sometimes. Um <laughs> he really did. And then you'd go, oh, you were just the sweetest guy. You would do anything. You know, he was one of those those men that and I never saw it as I never saw it as something that how do I explain this to you? I never saw it as something that, oh, he must be doing this. He must be. years later I was like when someone said to me, you know, you're just you're so generous that way. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, because my dad always was. And it was like, oh, yeah, he was. It was the little things, you know. He always donated um, to like a coat drive at work for kids who didn't have coats. And he would. Um, he was one of the best cooks. And now he wasn't a... Uh, I'm following a recipe cook. So when you'd say to him, Hey, dad, I love that soup. Can you tell me how you made it? He'll be like, uh, no. (laughs) And so it was, but he was one of those because he loved that. And it was his passion. He would, he worked in a factory all of his life. Um, and he would run to the grocery store, pick up all the stuff he needed, go to work and cook for all the guys. It was kind of like, when's Billy cooking again? Um, he would do the same thing. I worked at out on Bryce Prairie in the Holman area at this little school with early childhood kids. And once he retired, he would make these large batches of soup that I could take to work and share with all my coworkers just because that's just how he was. You know, and he uh, had a tender moment. My son, um, he and my son were two peas in a pod. Uh, my son is 20 now, but, um, and he was about 15 when when my dad passed, but he and my dad uh, my dad always had this way of every time he'd see them, my son would get the smirk on his face. And I think, what are you smirking about? And I'm like, did he do it again? He's like, yep. He would see him fold up a $20 bill, really small, like shuffle it to him so nobody could see. And then, of course, my son felt like he won the lottery. So he'd have this big smile on his face. And, and, so, and I'd be like, seriously, daddy you got to stop that. He's like, yeah, I could do whatever I want. You know, it was just little things like that where he, he had such an impact. He didn't even know he had such an impact. But he just had a good, good heart. Like he would, we'd go on vacation and it would be like, oh, I'm paying for supper and I'm I'm paying for you to get to your vacation. And no, dad, you don't need to. Do, I know, but I want to. And it's not always the monetary either. You know, um, he would just do kind things. I don't know. I, now, my mother swears that she knows how to cook. And God bless her. I am i can't call her a liar. However, <laughs> uh, I don't recall the time when my mom cooked. Um and, and she's like, I did I'm two or five. I'm like, oh, you didn't either. Because um, my dad, even when he worked second shift or third shift, he would put like, I'm talking a whole meal. Like he'd have a roaster with a full chicken that was um, covered and seasoned and he'd have vegetables and and it would be on low so that my mom could come home, pull it out of the oven when we came home because he wouldn't be there to feed us at night, you know, just those simple little things. I don't also believe the woman pumped gas for most of her life because my dad would, oh, how's your car doing? Oh, it's getting low. He'd take it and fill up the gas for her, you know, just those little things that, again, they don't take a lot of time, especially when it's your passion, like the meals for him, they were a passion. It was just something he did beautifully. So, yeah,
0: he was tremendous. That's really cool. And just a nice, perfect kind of way to tie that up in the sense that it's these as you stated, the little drops of kindness and the acts of service, you know, they don't have to be large or monumental or um, financial in the aspect of
1: giving of money all the time.
0: Right. That's so beautiful. I'm glad you got to honor him. And it was fun to hear your voice light up when you're imagining those <laughs> memories. Something else. Yep. I was daddy's little girl. That is for sure. Well, we're grateful that you're sharing him with us on the in podcast too. So, okay. I have two standard questions that I'm going to ask you, Lisa, um, about you. And one of them is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what do you think you would say?
1: Looking back on childhood, I would have to say... Think about how loved and blessed you are and what gifts you have and be confident in those things. Have a humble confidence, but be confident in who you are and do your best to project it to the world. Don't be um, impacted by the input of others. Follow your heart. Feel good about who who you are and what you're doing um, and just love yourself. Um, I think it's too easy to not always love yourself and then you tell yourself things that makes you believe you're not what you need to be. I wish I had done that
0: years and years ago. That's some really beautiful advice that we can all learn from. Absolutely. And so to you know current life here, if as an influential woman, if listeners are hearing your message and they're finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they just need to hear your voice right now to help them up out, what would you say? I would tell them to
1: Try to make it a habit
0: every morning
1: to just start your day with a grateful heart. Uh, Thank God for the blessings you do have, as trivial as they may seem to you. Um, Consider yourself blessed. Thank God for those things and look for ways to shine your light on other people. Spend time in your day, again, thinking those things, sharing them out
0: loud. And just watch the change that will happen. Super solid advice on that one. Really appreciate that. Weaving it back to that message of a grateful heart. I think it's too easy to chase the next best thing in our culture.
1: Oh, absolutely. Isn't it?
0: (laughs) It sure is. Okay. So I know you and I know that, um, again, a piece of your gratitude is just um, being able to be connected and grateful for that. So are there any awe-inspiring recommendations that you would like to provide the community in terms of people we should connect with on social media?
1: Where do we start? Oh, there are so many. (laughs) And I feel so, so very badly for people who have not figured out, um, especially on Twitter, what a treasure trove of positivity that place is um and there are so many great minds um joe sanfilippo melanie korich she shares some wonderful heartfelt um, things on there john gordon and kyle hamastra are great people to follow who just want to change lives um, it, it's so neat to see how many people um are okay putting out there things we can do
0: to be more grateful, more kind, change this world in a positive way. Yeah. And I really appreciate that you that you focus on that. I know you had already mentioned too, the one drop of kindness. So I'll go ahead and link that yes. for the listeners as well in regard to uh, Jeff Kubiak, who's a common friend of ours too.
1: In addition to the one drop of kindness, um, Levon Roth has a Ignite Your Shine and she's got this these marvelous bracelets. Um that are a light bulb they're made out of bicycle spokes that just as a reminder to shine your gifts for the world um and i I think that's so powerful um so she's another fabulous one from twitter
0: how about a book that you would recommend for our listeners you guessed her earlier my uh
1: fan after Brene brown um dare to lead uh it is such a life-changing book and she just really empowers and provides ways that we can try to find the leader in all of us and i got to thinking about her while we were talking earlier in, in the situation with my dad and one of her, um, other phrases that I really appreciated was embrace the suck." you know, you have to embrace the suck, and it's your choice as whether you're going to embrace it negatively or positively and see what you can do with it. Yeah. And, um, she, again, her, her book is so powerful for helping you be your best you. So very grateful for her as well.
0: Yeah. I always say if there's a person that I could be friends, with, well, two people are her and Jen Hatmaker, but, uh, yeah, someday let's make it a goal. Lisa will fangirl Brene enough to be able to get in space with her. <laughs> okay. So I know that you've got some great recommendations here because of the fact that you have that commute. So are there any podcasts that you would recommend for our community to check out? Well,
1: besides this one, this is one of my favorites. Um, <laughs>
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: one of my other favorites is the armchair expert with Dak Shepard. Um, He is really good. He is a very smart man, and he's really got some interesting people on there. Um, Rising Tide Radio with Allison Epsey and Jennifer Hogan. Um, And Todd Nesolone, who is a principal in Texas, has Tell Your Story. He'd be so proud of me right now because I'm not a storyteller, but I told my story today. And I might have to tell him that because um, he's all about telling your story. You know, you don't know who your story is going to impact. So those are some great ones uh, to listen to.
0: Wonderful. Well, I will make sure, as you know, in our listeners to link all of that. So it will be a safe and easy way for you to connect um, on those recommendations. And Lisa, I just know that our listeners are going to want to connect with you. So what would be the best way for them to engage with you after this interview? Um, On
1: Twitter, I'm at chattygady.com. Um, because I talk a lot, um, <laughs> which my dad would laugh. he would be like, can't you just be quiet, child? And I'm like, no, that's okay. I can have this conversation without you. I can just keep going. So at Chatty Um, And then on Facebook, Lisa Knee Um, Those are the main two. I'm not on Instagram or many of the other... Uh, social media sites that people are just those two.
0: Well, that's great. So I'll make sure to link those up so that listeners can connect with you. And Lisa, I am so grateful that you would overcome that little bit of fear to get on this podcast and share your incredible gratitude story. You are a gift to this world. And I am so thankful that my listeners get to hear the mission and your beautiful message today.
1: I bless you so much. I'm so so blessed to have you in my life, Sarah Johnson.
0: (laughs) Ditto, Lisa.